Test check, test check, check, check. How's Carol? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Sometimes the Christian church is accused of being old-fashioned, irrelevant, archaic, but you can't say that about today's lessons, because all four of the lessons are literally about life and death issues. The Old Testament lesson is the story of Ezekiel and the dry bones, and you probably remember the old song that goes, dem bones, dem bones, dem dry bones. Well, that's based on this lesson from Ezekiel. And, it, and there was a place like that that had uh, bones littered all over. It was because Israel had been massacred by the mighty Babylonian army. And these bones were left bleaching in the sun, and the Israelites were taken off captive to Babylon. The people felt like they were dry bones and lifeless. And the prophet is saying to them, these bones can live again. There will be sinew and muscle and skin and breath of life. And the nation of Israel will be alive again. Hang in there. God is still with you. In the psalm for today, it is the lament of King David over the death of his son Absalom. Absalom had tried to overthrow his father's kingdom and, and usurp the throne. He had been killed in battle. And now David is left to lament. Out of the depths have I cried to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. The voice of a father who has lost a child and knows that he is partly responsible for this from his past. The epistle lesson for today says, if you are in Christ, even though you are dead because of sin, you are alive because of the righteousness. And it is the gospel lesson that really caught my attention. And that's a familiar story, too. It's the raising of Lazarus from the dead. It starts out with Jesus and the disciples having been at Lazarus, Mary, and Martha's house. These are his good friends. This is a place where Jesus can go, and he can feel like he is at home and that other people aren't looking at him, trying to get something on him and catch him. He can kind of relax there and do a little teaching and a little relaxing. He, he loves to go to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' home. But they have to leave there because they're threatened with death. And so after they go, Lazarus gets very sick. They send a messenger to get Jesus to say, The one whom you love is sick unto death. And Jesus tells the disciples, Oh, Lazarus is, uh, is asleep. And they go, Well, fine, if he's asleep, he'll wake up. And finally he has to tell them, No, Lazarus is dead. Oh, that's different. But they still didn't think they should go back to Bethany because that's where the people were about to kill them. 
And then, inexplicably, Jesus piddles around for two more days before he goes back to Bethany. And by the time he gets back there, Lazarus has been dead for four days. Now, four is significant because the Jews believed that after a person died, their spirit hovered over them for three days and then was gone. Four days means he's dead. He's good and dead. It's not a coma. He's not coming back. He's good and dead. So Jesus gets back there, and as he approaches, he runs into Martha, the older sister, and she comes out and says, Oh, Lord, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. And Jesus said, Do you believe in the resurrection of the dead? Well, yes, she says, at, you know, at the end, kind of implying, but that doesn't do us much good right now. And he said, I am the resurrection and the life. She said, You are the Christ, the anointed one, the one sent from God. Great confession of faith on Martha's part. And then he goes on a little further, and the younger sister, Mary, comes to him. And she says exactly the same thing that Martha had said. Oh, Lord, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. But Mary says it with a lot more emotional connection to it. Mary says it sobbing at Jesus' feet. And then Jesus looks at her in her sorrow and her grief. He looks at some of the other people who are grieving. And then comes what I consider to be probably the most important verse in the Bible. It is only two, lot, two words in the original King James Version. And those two words are, Jesus wept. And that's not just like one little tear escaping down his cheek. The, the Greek word for that is much more powerful than that. It is to sob uncontrollably, to break down, we might say. Jesus was sobbing. And that verse is more important to me probably than anything else because it lets me know that whatever I go through, the Lord goes through. When I hurt, the Lord hurts. It made Jesus mad that the forces of evil and sickness and death could even for a little while have this kind of sway over his good friends. And that even though he knew what he was going to do to ask the Father to raise him from the dead, it still irritated him and made him sad that this kind of pain should have to come to his people, the people he loved. And so he wept. Jesus wept. He sobbed. And then at the end of that, he prayed and he said, Father, I, I thank you for hearing me. I know you always hear me, but I'm saying this for the benefit of others. And he asked the Lord to raise Lazarus. And so then he turned. He said, roll the stone away from the tomb. And Martha doesn't think that's a very good idea. She said, Lord, he has been dead four days. And of course, the Jews did not embalm like the Egyptians did. So they tried to bury him right away. Otherwise, you've got the smell of decomp in the morning. Oh, Lord, he has been dead for four days. There will be a stench about him. Sometimes I like to read the King James. It's more stark. King James says, Lord, he stinketh. And Jesus doesn't care. He says, roll the stone away. And they do. And Jesus stands and calls out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And he comes out. And he's got the burial strips wrapped around him. And he looks for all the world like the return of the mummies. And he comes out, and Jesus said, Unbind him and let him go. And they do. And the rejoicing begins. 
there are a lot of lessons for us in this gospel section. And the first thing is that it is a model of godly grieving. It shows us how we are to grieve and that we are to grieve. It shows us that it's not something that we have to say, some phony thing like, oh, well, you know, they're in a better place, so we can't cry, we're okay, and all that kind of stuff. No, when you're hurting, you cry, and you, you're, you're genuine, and that's the way it is. And that's okay. We should grieve, and we should grieve well. And there are a couple clues about grieving. One is you have to have some time go by, but that doesn't do it alone. There's an old saying, uh, time heals all wounds. That's not true. That's only partly true. Time and talk and the hope of the resurrection. You have to talk about what you've lost, what you miss the most, over a period of time. And you have to do that with the hope of the resurrection as we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I would not have you be ignorant about those who have died so that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope because we have great hope. We have the sure and certain hope of the resurrection to eternal life. So time and talk and the hope of the resurrection. The model of godly grieving. And the next thing that we learn in the text is what we were talking about before, that it makes a difference to the Lord what happens to us. He hurts when we hurt. He grieves when we grieve. He is angry that the forces of evil and death and sickness and pain and heartache can affect us even for a little while. And he does something about it, just like he did for Lazarus. Maybe he doesn't raise us from the dead now, but we know that he will raise all of us from the dead. And whoever we have lost in our families that we grieve for, we will see them again. He is the Lord of life, and he has done something about it, and it will happen. Jesus told them after Lazarus came out, unbind him and let him go. And that's another part of this for us. There are people who have been raised from spiritual deadness, and yet they're still walking around in their old burial clothes holding them back. And one of the things that we do as Christians is we try to help people to get rid of that, whether it's resentment or hurt or selfishness or pain or phoniness or whatever it is. That, that's the old burial strips that we have on us. And we help other Christians do that. And then we hear the words too, Unbind them! and let them go. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. How's that, David?